0: Hey there friends, welcome to another episode of the Love Offering Podcast. I'm your host Rachel Adams and today's guest is Tracy Martin. Tracy and her husband Rick are directors at the International Rhema Bible Training College in Egypt and are also missionaries. Join us for today's episode on life as a missionary family, faith in action, facing opposition in ministry, being obedient and having the courage to persist in what God is calling you to do. So here is my conversation with Tracy.
1: Hello, Tracy. Welcome to the Love Offering Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Good to be here. You and your husband, Rick, are directors at the International Rama Bible Training College in Egypt. Would you tell us first how you developed your love for missions?
2: Well, Rick had his calling in love for missions shortly after he rededicated his life to God when he was about 18. But it took a little nudging for um, me to get missions. I wanted to teach. I had gotten saved, I think my senior year of high school. And it took me a little while to start actually, you know, serving God and going forward. But in college, I started to get a hunger for God. And I started reading the word a lot and started teaching. And we had a young, a college group that we taught at. And I just thought I was going to teach. I was going to travel the country and teach, you know, be the next Joyce Myers. You know, I was dreaming big. Mm -hmm. But, and my best friend in college, she went to Romania. And I said, you know, I was excited for her, but that is not what I wanted. I was spoiled and I liked my comforts. There was no way I was going out of the country. But a couple years later, I was in Bible school. And there was a missionary in our class to Peru and he started telling stories about a missions team. And he would tell stories where like where they would sleep in huts and there was open windows and the bugs would come in and it was, you know, it was awful. But then the next day, what they saw God do through their meetings and through their ministry, you know, that trumped where they were staying and their uncomfortableness. And so that planted a little seed in my heart. And I thought, you know, that's that's not too bad. That's kind of cool. And then at our chapel, we had a missionary to India come and he just spoke to us at chapel and his fire and passion for God, I just watched him and listened to him. And I thought, you know, I I want what he has. And so there was a second little seed that I can remember. And then the last little seed that I remember is our dean was telling us how other countries would pay for people to come teach English as a second language. And that would be the inroad into that country to bring the gospel and just in my heart i thought you know i could do that that sounds like something i could do and so those little seeds were starting to be planted in my heart and then in between our first and our second year my husband um, not at the time it wasn't my husband we were just um friends at this time asked me to go on a trip to belize with him and from that point on the rest is history
1: Well, I I think it is so special that you and your husband are so unified in your mission. So, would you tell us the story of how you all met?
2: We met in Bible school. We met at the end of our first year. Someone had asked me to play softball and I have never played softball and I haven't played softball since I was raised (laughs) catching baseballs and I could hit a baseball and catch a baseball, but the softballs are just, everybody says they're easier, but they're definitely, they're hard for me. So I did not want to play. And when the guy that had asked me walked away, I thought God kind of prompted me and said, you know, why don't you play softball? And I thought, well, okay, fine. I'll play softball. And then my husband was actually the pitcher and I was the catcher. And he always jokes and tells the story that he threw his heart and I caught it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, I love that and so I'm interested you know I, I know you just because we are our friends in, in real in real life like we live in the same community and live life together so you know many times Rick will travel you know without you and without the kids and so I'm interested to hear how you handle your husband traveling for ex- ex- like ex- extended periods of time
2: it, it definitely has its challenges It has a grace. There's God gives you grace for it, even though there are challenges. And definitely it always seems like something happens when he leaves, like the dishwasher breaking or something like that. But there's definitely a grace and we have set limits. We always do just two weeks. We know that that is our limit. We don't try to do over two weeks. And God really does help us. And it is hard being a single parent. I have to adjust and readjust to not having the help at home. But, you know, I've got terrific kids and they always help me. But I would say God just takes care of us with that obedience comes that grace. And I'm sure when times start to change where he's not supposed to be traveling and we're supposed to be living somewhere or traveling together, you know, we'll know it and the grace starts to end. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, so tell us about the heart behind Rhema.
2: Well, Rema is a Bible training college in Oklahoma, and that's the main campus. And then we're graduates from that campus. And then from that, we have a Bible school in Egypt that has the same curriculum. And there's Bible schools all over the world that teach the same things. We have um, classes like faith foundations, prayer principles, righteousness, how to be led by the spirit. Rama teaches these foundations from the Bible, things that you use every day. You know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so we build in our students who God is, who they are in Christ, and how to live by the word. But then we also have classes that teach them practical things like people skills, youth and children's ministry, praise and worship. You know, they have a preaching lab, so they have to write a sermon and preach. And They have to write um, curriculum for children's ministry. And so we give them practical things that they can use in ministry, but we also give them the spiritual side and not just theological side, but the spiritual side to where, you know, they use their faith. We use faith every day, you know, Mm. without faith, it's impossible to please God. And we walk by faith and not by sight. And so we teach them faith and the word so that they can conquer life.
1: So you are hosting your second women's conference in May. What, tell us about this event first of all and then what are your hopes for the event?
2: Well, like you said, this is the (laughs) second women's conference. Now this will be the first time that I'm setting it up and kind of over it. And through the conference, we want to build up the women and send them back into their churches. All these women that are coming are ministers' wives or ministers, you know, youth and children's ministers or pastors' wives. And we want to give them a break. We, we pull them away and we go to a resort area. And we stay all together for a few days at this resort area. And we put the word into them, but we also give them time off. Like we have outings where we'll go to the sea or we'll let them have swim time in the pool. And then we also take them shopping. They love to shop and the shopping there is up late. Like when I say we eat dinner like at eight or nine and then we go into town and we're in town till two or three o'clock in the morning. So the culture is different, but you're up late, but Mm -hmm. we want to build them up and let them rest.
1: One of my favorite quotes from you says this, there is no greater reward in ministry than watching your faith pay off. When you really see your faith pay off in your faith in action, and you see a person come to the knowledge of Christ, that is your reward. So Tracy, how has your faith paid off for you personally?
2: I'd say right now, personally, it's as a mom. My faith is paid, paid off mainly with my husband and my kids. When I see areas in them, I find my scriptures to stand on, and then I start praying about those specific areas and start confessing over those specific areas, and it's fun to watch God start talking to them and helping them and giving them favor and also giving me wisdom to know how to handle it naturally. You know, he gives you wisdom with daily tasks, and the re- one of the recent things that we got to see is my husband took my son to Belize for his 16th birthday. And they went fishing and a storm came up and they had to just throw anchor and sit the storm out. And they said the waves were huge. And so the boat was just going up and down on the waves. And Caleb said, My son, he said that it's a, he didn't know that he had Psalm ninety one memorized because mm-hmm. he just kept quoting it.
1: I love that story and you know so often I think this segues really well into our next question we can face opposition in ministry and so I'd like to hear like if you have ever experienced this and if so how do you suggest that we not judge our opposition as a missed calling
2: well I think opposition is just part of life Um, ministry is people and as long as there are people involved there's going to be opposition You know, Jesus was opposed in his hometown and he was opposed by the religious leaders. And you just, during opposition, you have to stop and ask God, hey, are we still going this direction? You know, you can ask him, is there any area that I need to correct? Any area that I've, you know, gotten off on? And sometimes opposition and struggle can mean that you are off course, but a lot of times it's just part of living in a fallen world. And the enemy does not want us to be successful in conquering the vision that God has for us. And so he's going to always bring opposition. And sometimes there are little opposition. Sometimes it's big opposition, but that's why it's important. You just stay close to God and in his word. And he's always talking to you and always directing your steps. And, but we just have to be close enough to hear it.
1: Yeah, so good. Well, you have also said that no matter what you face, don't bow down. Stay faithful to the call that God has given you and stay faithful to the vision that God has given you. Take all the theological knowledge that you have been given and give it feet to go out. So I love this quote and the idea of giving our theology feet. How do you find the courage and the persistence to keep going no matter what you come against?
2: Well, I think you need to keep the vision before you. Uh, We recently, this is a good analogy, we recently became part of the cross country world. My daughter started running and we are not runners at all. And I don't even think I've really been to any races, but once she started, you know, I got to see a different side of things and how runners' lives work. And it's fun to stand at the finish line and watch the runners as soon as they come around that corner, see the finish line. And they take off and they take off and they give it everything they got, even when their bodies are screaming at them. I mean, even going towards the finish line, a lot of them are crying and have tears coming down. And, you know, they're pushing against everything that their body's telling them not to do. So I think we push against circumstances when we have the vision set before us, you know. But if you don't have that vision set before you, it's harder to push because you don't have anything to look forward to. And also at the finish line, It can be intense because everybody's yelling and screaming and encouraging you saying you're almost there. So, I mean, just imagine God standing on the finish line saying, you've got it. I'm right here. Just one more push. Just run into my arms. Just come right here to this point and I'll catch you. And it's that vision that pushes you and the assurance of who God is and that he'll never let the righteous fall.
1: Mm, Yes. Well, so your definition of a missionary is someone who gives up their lives so that someone else can live. Can you expand on this statement that you made?
2: Well, I think in our culture, life is kind of defined by the American dream, you know, the house with the picket fence and your kids playing in the yard and, you know, a good job that you could take a vacation every year. So I think a lot of times that's what people define life as, you know, our creature comforts, our comforts that we have in our house. And when you give those up and you go, to another country, it's a little uncomfortable, but you're bringing people the word of God. So in essence, you're leaving everything that you think is supposed to be a life and you're bringing eternal life to others. But I mean, you can do that anywhere, giving up your scheduled day to go have coffee with someone or leaving the dishes to call someone and pray for them. You know, it's about, I think we should be doing it everywhere as Christians. It's about pouring into others. You're giving up just what you have deemed for your life and pouring life into others.
1: Yeah. Well, that's a reward in itself, but you you say that your greatest reward as a missionary is when you obeyed when he asked you to obey and you moved when he asked you to move. So how have you been able to have the strength to be obedient every time he has asked you to move? Because it's not been easy.
2: <laughs> no, it's never easy. Um, I have experienced life both in disobedience and obedience, and I can say that life is much more rewarding and satisfying when you're in the middle of his will. Whether it makes sense or not, whether you don't understand how he's going to work it out, whether there's an uncomfortable, you know, where you don't have enough money to do this certain task at the point that you're doing it, but his peace is there. So when you're in obedience, there's that peace and I've lived without that peace and it, it doesn't work. It's, it just, it's, it's hard to explain, but it is a peace that passes all understanding. And when you're in the middle of his will, it doesn't matter what's going on around you. If you have that peace, then it carries you through and you have strength to obey.
1: Something else you have said before is that God knows that we have got what a person needs and we must be willing to share it. So because of the heart of this specific podcast, I, I really love this thought. So Tracy, how do we ensure that we are always prepared and ready in season and out of season as scripture says?
2: Well, to always be ready, to always be ready, you have to stay built up in the word. You have to keep yourself full. You know, we make sure that we eat every day and keep our bellies full. So we need to make sure we read our Bible every day and keep our, you know, spirit man full. Mm -hmm. And an empty vessel has nothing to give. And It doesn't matter what our calling is or what we're supposed to do as Christians, we have something to give and the world needs what we have. You know, even if you're not called to full-time ministry, you still have what people need and we have it on the inside of them and how we access that is by the word and keeping built up in the word. So we always have something to give.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And believing we have something to give and then being willing to share that. Yeah, totally. And that's so good. Well, so this season, I am asking my guests who has loved them well. So is there someone that first comes to mind for you? And, and then would you tell us how they loved you well?
2: Yeah, I've been loved well by a lot of people. But one person, it, when you asked me the question, I, it, it took me a minute to think about who I was actually going to use. But one person that got me to where I am today would be a lady who taught our college group that I was going to when I was in college. I did not go to this church, I just went to the college group with some friends and they all went to that church. But, excuse me, I don't remember the exact steps of how it all worked out, but God had told me to go to Rhema in Oklahoma. To Bible school. And once I got the packet and found out you had to wear pantyhose, I kind of dished that. I was like, no, 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 <laughs> I'm not doing that. No, thank and you. so she was a Rhema graduate. And so I don't remember how it all played out, but I do remember she ended up taking me to St. Louis to a meeting where Brother Hagan was. And she introduced me to, um, brother. not she didn't introduce me to him, but introduced me to the meetings and to the teaching. And it's, I had never been, in anything like that before. And then she drove me out to Tulsa to go to their Winter Bible Seminar. They have Winter Bible Seminar every year. And it's like a homecoming where all the graduates come home. And so I was in meetings for a whole entire week there with her. And I remember as I was there, I was like, no, 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 I'm not coming here. I don't need to go to Bible school. And she, she never said anything. She just listened patiently and just waited it out with me until I figured out you know, that I needed to listen to God and really go. And then actually when I had decided to go, I stayed with her sister. She had made a way for me to stay with her sister until I found an apartment. And so, you know, she helped me every step of the way and she just gave little seeds. You know, it wasn't a big deal, but it was enough to get me to where God wanted me to be. And so, and even through her being patient and loving me through all of that, you know, Look, now she gets seeds in several different countries. You know, she has seeds in Egypt and seeds in Belize, all because she was just patient with me. And she took me to these meetings with her and made time for me and made time to listen to me
1: and more into me. But she had no idea at the time what her seeds of love, you know, the fruit that they would bear, like you said, all over the world. I, I love that so much. Um, so to tailor this question more specifically to you, how can we love missionaries well? And then if you would follow that up with how we can love those in Egypt well.
2: Okay, that's a good question. To love missionaries well. I could preach on that for a while, but I won't. But missionaries need people. They need people praying for them, encouraging them. Um, I would think that they need, missionaries need people to hook up with them and to pray for others to hook up with their vision. Because, you know, a lot of times, even people listening to this, they might not feel a call or any pull to Egypt, but they might have, oh, you know, Haiti or the kids in um, Thailand. They have, there's countries that, you know, you kind of have a heart for. You may never end up in that country, but I think you have kind of a passion or a heart for certain things. And to me, I would tell you to give to those. I mean, missionaries do need money. Uh, They're leaving the paycheck. They're leaving the American dream, and they're going to the world to to preach the gospel. And it takes money to do that. And money is not in heaven. God doesn't have it. It's down here on earth, and it's in people's pockets. And it's not just giving to a missionary. It's investing in God's plan. Because in Mark, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel that's not a suggestion. It's a, it's a command. And so whether you go to the world or whether you send, you know, you're, you're, you can go with your money, you know, and, and you're investing, you're investing into that country. You're investing into lives. You're investing into souls. You're, you're putting treasures in heaven when you pray for missionaries and when you give to missionaries, Mm, they need encouragement. You know, it can be lonely because they've left their family. They've left, you know, their creature comforts and, they need encouraged. They need people beside them.
1: Yeah. Kingdom work. Well, so what about, um, how do we love, um, the people in Egypt and, and support your Bible school? Well, mainly
2: just definitely through your prayers and through finances, because we pay for a portion of the students tuition. And so we, I'm not sure what percentage we pay, but we try to help the students. And then, so they come to class. They have, there's one class a month for each student for each campus. And then we have two conferences. We have a winter conference and a summer conference. And that's when we bring all the students together. And it costs a little bit more because we have to rent a venue. And so we pay for a venue and we bring all the students together and the teachers are there. So they don't just get classes. Rick ends up usually playing soccer at night or, you know, hanging out with the students. So it's a good time to bond, a good time for all the students to be together and hang out and, you know, rub off on each other, pray for each other, you know, encourage each other. And so the best way is just definitely prayer, prayer for our students. Egypt's not the easiest country, so definitely safety for our students and safety for our teachers that go. We have teachers that go all year long, teachers that come from Africa and come into Egypt. I mean, Egypt's Africa too, but they come from other parts of Africa to teach. And just prayers and finances for sure.
1: So how can listeners get involved within your ministry um, to support you? And how can we stay in contact with you?
2: Um, we, you can go to our website, which is rhemaegypt.org. And rhema is spelled R-H-E-M-A. And then you can also find us on Facebook. It's Rick Tracy Martin, all one word. And then we also have our email. It's ricktracymartin at gmail.com. And Tracy is spelled with an E. And so just email. You can email me and I can hook you up with more information.
1: Well, Tracy, thank you so much for being my guest today. I, I love your heart for missions, and I'm inspired by your faith, courage, and obedience, as I know the listeners will be as well. God bless you, friend. Thanks, thank you.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode with Tracy Martin. I hope and pray that through our conversation that you are encouraged to be obedient in your own way and listen to the Lord and what He is calling you to do, whatever that looks like in your own life. If you're interested in receiving the show notes from today's episode, you can head on over to at Rachel Adams Author on Instagram or on Facebook. And you can also get them sent directly to your inbox by subscribing to receive emails at www rachelkadams.com. I would love it if you would find me there as well. So next week, my guest is Kim Ware. She is the author of The Art of Friendship. So we are talking about creating and keeping relationships that matter. I hope that you will make plans to tune in then. But until then, I hope you have a terrific week. And as always, remember to lead with love.